Ben. There's an old uh, ancient greeting out of scripture to God's church that's repeated throughout the uh, New Testament. And it goes like this. To the church of God in Tabor, I translated that in myself, but it's the same thing. To the church of God in Tabor, together with all the saints throughout southern Alberta, grace and peace in you. From God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. You read through the New Testament letters, you'll find that in various forms, that greeting given to the church, because it's not ours, it's Jesus' church. Be very careful how we handle it. I walked five brides down the aisle over the years. Four were daughters, one was a sister. And I always felt like I was handing something really precious over to somebody. Maybe they were going to be okay, maybe they weren't. Uh, But the church is a precious gift to us. We are the church, the saints of God. May the peace and the grace of God the Father be upon you as the Tabor Free Church. Congratulations on your 75th. Whoever thought you would reach that, right? Well, to be honest with you, you don't look more than 61 to me. But but the records are the records. The church is 75 years. Uh, And was it Lee and Hattie Fodmark that started the church? Does anybody go back that far in history? Uh, God has used people to bring you to this day. And if he brings you to this day, he's got something more. Or else just forget about you. Let you all be done and go to heaven and don't need to be here. But if the Lord keeps us here, he has something he's uh, going to be doing and something that we can look forward to in our own individual lives. Uh, anniversaries are good because it's good to look back and see how faithful God has been. It's good to do that. To live our lives, to see a picture of what he has been doing because it brings anticipation for the future and the work that he wants to be doing uh, in our own lives. And we're enlightened by looking back. A few minutes ago, we sang about the, the faithfulness of God. He's faithful forever and ever and ever. If you believe that, or if you were just singing it because it was on the screen, but if you actually believed it, change your heart. Because forever and ever hasn't arrived yet. So he's going to go all the way with us as his church and his people. And we can look forward to that. Well, we're going to look into the word of God this morning. Lynn and I are glad to be with you. Many of you have been friends for numerous years. Uh, we made a big move in our life this year. Moving from Okotoks where we've been the last 24 years with uh, church there. And also with the district ministries in and out. I'm retiring for my second time and determined to do it a little better this time. My first go at retirement was uh, very busy. But uh, we're doing a little different this time and uh, enjoying getting out and preaching and being in some of the churches, but also being in Lethbridge where we've moved in June. Uh, we got quite a few of our family members there, and that's been a, a real delight for us uh, to be with us and be around our family in this stage and season of our own lives. So my question to you this morning is, uh, do you like change? We all kind of, depends, doesn't it? 
depends whether that change interferes with something I really like and want, then I'm not so sure if it's the other side, if I I like change. Change in areas of our life. Because we'd ask, what are you asking really to change exactly? Then I'll tell you if I like change. I think it was Mark Twain who was given credit for the statement, the only person who loves change is a wet baby. <laughs> and if we're all pressed hard enough, we might, uh, we might be there. Uh, we're in uh, stages of change in our lives, all of us. Uh, you want to change your health? Well, that's going to require some stuff you don't like. Moving, which is called exercise, and... Uh, getting rid of a lot of the food we like to eat. That's the price we have to pay. The doctor tells us that all the time, and we just smile and go out the door. You want to change in your own career? Then you have to do something. You have to start searching. What, what is it God has made you to do? Then you have to start looking. Where would I connect with that? There may be some education. You might have to put out some dollars. But if you're going to change career direction in life, it's going to take something. You have to give that. I've told the story. Um, my wife gives me permission. She likes to change furniture. So when I'd come home from being away, it's good to check where the bed is right then because <laughs> it may not be where it was when I left a couple of days ago. And Lynn just is energized by that. Some of you haven't changed your furniture in 35 years, but it's okay. But whatever is changing our life, it requires action. It requires us to really uh, get involved in our own lives. So the Tabor Evangelical Free Church, as you well know, you're in a time of change. A time of transition, we call it. You're transitioning into God's next chapter. You're transitioning leadership. You're transitioning into what God's future is. And transitions can be fun and exciting, and they can be frightening And they can be challenging because it requires something from us as God's church, God's saints. Someone has defined transition as the purposeful moving toward a God-planned destination. That's all transition is. Moving from here to there. And all through scripture, you will find out that God constantly was doing transitions. Moving his people, moving leadership, moving the people of God Israel towards his heart and the church today. He still is doing that. It's a God-given thing for us in our lives. God does transitions constantly. And if we're not transitioning, we're probably becoming pretty stale in our lives. Spiritually, for sure. A successful transition requires prayer. It requires leadership, patience, humility, effort, trust, and our own heart preparation. Because this church won't be any different going into the future unless you change. (laughs) Because you are the church. It's just not an entity out there somewhere. We're going to be... talking about what scripture says about one significant transition from Deuteronomy chapter 8 in the Old Testament. So if you want to turn there or fire up your phone and, uh, you know, leave the sports stuff off, but look at the scripture 
uh, we take a look at that passage and just break it down because it gives us some instruction that I have found very helpful in my life. Very helpful. And I believe it can speak God's word uh, to you as, a, as the body of Christ as well. Successful transition. Where does it go? There's such a history in the scripture. We need to understand that God's hand is all over that. Uh, this successful transition in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is between Moses, the great leader of Israel, handing the ministry of leadership of Israel over to Joshua. Moses had been the leader a long time. But God had said, you're not going into the promised land. We're passing it off. Moses didn't fulfill that going into the promised land. And so Deuteronomy is really his farewell sermons to the, to the uh, people of Israel. I believe there's 10 different sermons in the book of Deuteronomy. And in them, Moses is instructing the people about what a successful transition looks like for them moving into the history of the promised land and God fulfilling all that he had said he would do for them. So it's a powerful declaration in scriptures because these messages are to a new generation. You recall the old generation all, um, they didn't make it, let's say. They aren't going into the promised land. It's a new generation, a new generation, a new time, a new leader facing challenges, opportunities, and the dangers of the future. That's what Moses talks about this morning. And so he speaks very key and very directly. And I want to leave you quickly this morning with four instructions that I believe still speak to us today when we are walking that path in our own life. Would you pray with me? Father, may your word be a word. May we not deny it. May we not let it just slip past our hearts this morning, but may we hear it. Because you love us. We've sung about your love this morning. But if you love us, then we can trust you. And we can walk into the love of God with all our hearts and minds and soul. Thank you for the privilege to open the word of God. It's been uh, kept for us. Uh, May we be sharp and listening to the spirit of God. uh, For your honor and for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's drive into... uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to just read some scripture. It'll be up in front for you. You can see it as we walk through these uh, four instructions that are given to us. And the first one is in verse 8, excuse me, verse 1. Deuteronomy uh, speaks to uh, the chapter uh, and the direction it's going to be leading us. Follow in your Bible. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to his ancestors, to those who have gone before. So the first admonition to us is be careful to follow. That's a warning in scripture. Be careful. God is speaking to us. Be careful about what we're walking into. Be careful where we're going because that's a word to our own personal hearts. Be careful to obey the word of God. Be careful not to ignore when God speaks. And he will speak to his church. He's promised to do that. Now you want to, might want to say, well, be careful. Well, thanks. That's, that's a real encouraging thing for us to go through. Well, it, it's actually repeated in the scripture a lot. Be careful where you're going. And uh, God going with you, there's a direction we can go. But there's a purpose statement in this verse. 
whenever you see those words, you'll find them all throughout the word of God. So that, that's the purpose statement. Be careful to follow every command, the word of God. Why? So that you may live, increase, and enter, and possess the promises of God. By being careful and hearing the word of God, we are placing ourselves in a position where we can move in and discover and receive all that God has for us. Be careful, that phrase, so that you will live. That's good. You know, that's, that's encouraging. Good. That you will live. That you will increase and multiply in experiencing God. That you will enter, go in, and discover God's future. And that you will possess all the promises God has made to us personally and to his church. So be careful. If we hear the word of God and heed it, and walk in the commands of God, we're in a great place. That's exactly where God wants us to be. So here's the axiom of this verse. Be careful to obey God today for his blessing tomorrow. Be careful to obey God today if you want his blessing going forward. Starts now, starts in your heart, starts here. Starts in our response to the Lord. This time of transition that you're walking into, and, and I've walked through many, many churches during that time, and uh, most of them came out of it really well. If we will use it as a time of heart searching, a time of forgiving, a time of repentance a time of confession, a time of building unity in the body of Christ and obediently following all that God has spoken to us. And that's on you. That's not on the organization of the church. It's on you. You are the church. You're his saints. But we have an opportunity to walk into that. And so he says to us right off, I leave this instruction with you, but don't forget to be careful. This is serious business, the Church of Jesus Christ. And we have an enemy. And the enemy knows how to break up the church. Let me tell you, he does. Watch out. Prepare yourselves. Be careful as you walk this path. The second instruction he gives to us comes from verses 2 to 5 in Deuteronomy 8. And that's remember the past. You've just done that through the anniversary. You've remembered some of the past. But God calls upon the children of Israel to do the same thing. Let me read. Verse 2, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes will not wear out. Praise the Lord. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Remember the past, but not just the past. 
Remember God's past. God's faithfulness. And as I say, you sang about, some of you sang like you really believed that. God is faithful forever. He will be today and tomorrow and however long he leaves us here to be as his church till Jesus comes. Remember God's faithfulness in the good times. We remember God's faithfulness in the bad times. In fact, I think we learn more about our God when we're walking through a storm than when it's sunny and bright out. Because God is faithful and he is there in our lives working on behalf of what he is doing. His past faithfulness is amazing. Notice those verses. In verse 2, he was faithful to lead them. He was always there. You remember, they're just coming out of 40 years of discipline in the desert for not obeying God. A generation died off. A new generation is hearing this from Moses about the future. They're coming out of a desert time, difficult time. But he reminds them that he led them. He was always there with them in that desert experience. Always there. It says in verse 2 that he humbled them. There's nothing like a good crisis to humble you in life, personally or corporately or nationally or worldwide. There's nothing like a good crisis to humble ourselves, trusting that we have to know God because we really aren't in control of very much in this world. We all want to be, but we're not in control of very much. It's all in the Lord's hand. It all comes through him to us. It says in verse 2, that all, he tested them as well. They would, if they would trust him, and when the difficulties came, that they would trust God when times were tough. This desert experience was a tough experience that they would trust because he tested to see how they would react. Hey, did verse the latter part of verse 3 sound familiar to you? To teach you that man does not live by bread alone, by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Where did it come from? 40 days. Jesus went to the wilderness to prepare him for his ministry. And there he met Satan one-on-one. I've never met Satan one-on-one, and that's fine with me. I don't plan to go that route. But Jesus did. And he quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8. He believed this chapter, do you? Jesus quoted from it. I think that should bring encouragement to our hearts. In verse 3, he said he... Remember that God fed them. He gave them manna. And if you had manna, the Mennonites must have had some manna. You know, they have everything. All the good stuff comes from the Mennonites. You know what the word manna literally means? It means, what is it? If you're newly married, do not follow the Bible on this one. Do not sit down down at supper and say to your nice new bride, what is it? (laughs) It's biblical, but it isn't going to help you much. That's what the children of Israel, what is this stuff? For 40 years, they ate manna. And God supplied for them because he's faithful. And he will always be faithful. He gave them. He fed them. 
Verse 4 says he provided for them. He gave them clothes. Now, it may disturb you to read the clothes didn't wear out. You like to change the clothes once in a while? Well, us guys don't. You know, we can have the same shirt for 50 years and think it's wonderful. But ladies are a little bit more, you know, wanting to change things up. Well, they had the same clothes because they didn't wear out. Well, there were no stores, so good thing, I guess. But God provided for them. And he gave them all that they needed to walk through that experience. Remember, this is not a call in Scripture to remember your past. It's a call in Scripture to remember God's faithfulness in your past. God's faithfulness. And if we believe that, it changes everything. He has been faithful to this corporate church body for 75 years. There have been times when it's been tough, times when it's just been, whoa, hang on, Jesus is doing something. And we just try to run to keep up, and there's times where we fall on him as we learn what he has for us. A question for you this morning. It's a serious, and it's a participation. How many of you in your vehicle, car, pickup, have a rear view mirror? Let me see your hands. Okay, there's a couple people back there I'm a little worried about. If you actually look inside your car, you have a rear view mirror, and it's there for a reason. Glance in it once in a while. You ever tried driving by just watching through your rear view mirror? That not nice. Warn me if you're going down Highway 3, because I'm going down there later, if you're going to try that. because That's not what it's designed for. It's designed so we glance in it once in a while, see what's going on back there. Oh, here comes some crazy guy in a 350, and he's going to blow by me like nothing. You want to know a little bit what's happening behind you so that you can make judgments on what you're doing yourself. It's a good thing to look in the rearview mirror in your life once in a while and see God's past faithfulness. It'll encourage you. It'll encourage you. Just glance. Don't stare. But just glance in there and get a view. Man, God has been faithful to me. Well, do you think he'll be faithful in the future? I think that's who he is. So Moses reminds the people, thanking God for his faithfulness in the past, for his work in us, is the humble springboard to the future. If we're thankful and we're humbled by the faithfulness of God, then we are looking forward to the future because the same God. And if our hearts are responsive to him, then we can just get going and start rolling. So what's the history of God's past faithfulness uh, in your life? And uh, if you had a few moments, you could tell somebody this morning. I'll tell you mine. It'll take me 32 seconds because I've practiced it. 16 years of age, no spiritual background whatsoever. God pursued me and brought me to salvation. Greatest thing that ever happened in my life. Greatest thing that ever happened in my life. A few months later, I was in a hospital with a ruptured appendix, and the doctor's telling my family they didn't know if I would live. Um, 
But the doctor who did the surgery, who's not a believer, told me there was something in that operating room. And it wasn't him doing the surgery. God was there. And it kind of spooked him a little bit. But I understood exactly what he was saying. God had a few more years for me to put in from when I was 16. I'm the first one in my college to go to uh, go off to college, graduate from a Bible college. God was faithful to call me to ministry. My girlfriend agreed to come along and do the journey with me. And we've done that for over 50 years. Well, God's faithfulness just it can be overwhelming, not only in my life, but on all of our lives. Look in the mirror. You'll be excited to know that the future is ahead of you. Don't forget to remember that God has been faithful. You need that today. Because I don't know what's coming tomorrow. Your life or mine. I don't, I don't know what I'll have to walk through. But God will be faithful. It gives me great comfort. Third and word that he gives to us here. Instructing us in beginning at verse 6. Is that we are in anticipate the future. If God has been faithful, then we can anticipate what's coming. Verse 6, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out of the valleys, a land with wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where uh, bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are, are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Where you will, have eaten, you will have eaten and you will be satisfied. And praise the Lord your God for the good he has given to you. Every time I read that description, it reminds me of the old Alberta advantage. That I don't know where it went, but we're just hanging on now. But uh, we have a land that's filled with all of those wonderful things. We live in, and God was promising that to for the people to anticipate God's future. Uh, God had something next, so anticipate verse six, obeying the Lord. Anticipate walking in His ways if we want the hand of God upon us in our lives. Anticipate trusting His word. If God settles it, that says it, that settles it in our lives. He has spoken, and and we obey. We follow that. Because he is the Lord and, and we're not. So he speaks directly to us in that way. Anticipate obeying the Lord as you walk into this transition time. Anticipate trusting in his, his word, verses 7 to 9, as God brings it about. And uh, the description he gives to them is very specific uh, in the sense of the blessing he's going to give to them, what he's going to bring to them in their lives anticipate those blessings he says in verse 10 and when you see them don't forget to praise God why because he is faithful he is faithful he warns us and remember the past his faithfulness and then if you can actually believe that you can anticipate what's coming next in your life even though you don't know what it is because God is there and he will be the same Anticipate the blessing of God. God in the wilderness will be God in the promised land. The God of the difficult time will be God in the really great times. Personally and corporately as his church, God 
makes that promise. Don't forget to anticipate. And when you begin to anticipate, it changes your whole mindset. Because you're anticipating what God will do. And you agree to go with that. Well, the final instruction, point four there, he goes back and says again, be careful not to forget God. This is, a, this is a very stirring part of this passage, but just look at it. Let me read it. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you're satisfied, then you will build fine houses and settle down and your hearts and flocks will grow larger. Silver and gold will increase and all you have is multiplied. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the dreadful wilderness, that thirsty, waterless land, With venomous snakes and scorpions, he brought you water out of the hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness. And some, your ancestors had not known to be humbled, test you in the end that things might go well with you. Look at verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands produced all this for me. I did it. But remember, the Lord your God, for he is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms the covenant that he swore to your ancestors. Look at verse 19. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I will testify against you on that day and you will surely be destroyed like the nations destroyed before you for not obeying the word of the Lord. This is a serious warning, isn't it? And it's so easy to follow. Moses finishes with this other warning. Other translations have the word beware. I'm just about to tell you something. Beware of this. Or take care about this. Be careful. Watch out for this. And what is it? Forgetting God. Forgetting God. Can you imagine anyone forgetting God? Oops, me, over and over and over again. I forget the God of heaven who's redeemed me, who's called me, who sent me forward. Can you imagine forgetting God? And yet I think... um, We do that a lot in our lives. We forget how good God has been, how faithful he has been, and how he promises us for the future. And the only thing standing in the way of the future is me and it's you. It's the only thing. Because God would love to move forward. But if we block him, what an awful thing. Don't forget God. And then he lists some things that we should be aware of. Verses 12 and 13. Beware of satisfaction in our lives. Satisfaction. Spiritual forgetfulness. Uh, And it comes on when we face the danger of the good life. When we bought our houses, 
live in our fine places, it says. And when you get in the promised land and everything that begins to really fall into place, we forget who, who brought me here. It was God. The comfortable life is a dangerous life to live. And we all live comfortable lives. We do. Look around the world. But it's a dangerous place to live. Because we can forget who brought us here. We forget the faithfulness of God. And we can live within a self-satisfied spirit. I have everything. I'm comfortable. Don't mess with me. Then he warns us in verse 14 and verse 17 and 18 about beware of pride. And I know that doesn't apply to any of you that you struggle with pride. But a lot of us do in life. This is the danger of saying, I did this. Those verses say that. There comes a point in time that says, I'm the one who's created all this. And I'm good with it. I did it. In fact, verse 17 is a startling verse. You may say to yourself, my power, the strength of my hands produced all this for me. I brought this comfortableness to my life. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. God's hand has been all over it. But it's easy to forget the hand of God in our lives and we fall into the trap of pride. He led you where you are. He brought you. He gave you manna, he says to the people. And that's true of all of our lives. Uh, F.B. Meyer, a great preacher from a previous generation, has said, it's harder to walk with God in the sunshine of success than the nipping frosts of failure. It's harder to walk with God when everything's going great than when the frost blows in and it's difficult. I think he's right. I really think he's absolutely dead on with that. He warns in verse 19 and 20 about beware of idolatry. Idolatry, man, that died in the Old Testament, right? But unfortunately not. There's some really good authors writing about the war of idolatry right now that uh, have blessed me and warned me that it's easy for me to put things ahead of God. Um, what's the best candidate in your life become, for becoming an alternate to God? What's the best thing for you personally that could get in the way of God? Take his place. That it rises up to that place and he simply says this, don't forget to remember God. Don't. It's a dangerous path to walk. And he calls all of us, I believe, to walk in that goodness of his work within us for the glory of God. This is God's call for us. Brothers and sisters, this is God's, this is God's call to you as his church. Looking back so that we can see ahead. That's what this chapter is all about. Looking back so that we can anticipate what's coming and what the future is and where we're going with that. So could I say to you, brothers and sisters, lovingly, uh, keep your eyes on Jesus. If you get them on yourself, you're going to get in trouble. If you get them on somebody else, you're really going to get in trouble. Because we're all so human, and we fail. But we keep our eyes on Jesus, the Lord of the church, who's called us to be his church. We'll be all right.
because he will go before us. And Moses was trying to prepare the people for crossing that Jordan River and walking into a land that was filled with blessings and many dangers. And he warns them about that to keep their eyes on him and the work that he is accomplishing. I'm going to call the worship team to come. We're going to sing a song that talks about the love of God. We've already sung about about that this morning. Um, But I'll tell you one thing about this hymn. If you know God loves you, as the hymn declares, then you could love other people. If you're not sure God loves you, you're going to squeeze at other people when we shouldn't be doing that. God loves us. We're his church. We're his redeemed ones. And he loves us even when we mess up. But he always calls us back. Let's stand as a team leads us in worship.